was a lady's murder a religious ritual? This is Twisted, an SVU podcast. Hello again, you're listening to Twisted, an SVU podcast. You can listen to it on Spotify or Anchor FM or WordPress.com. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Mr. Ryan Rose, or you could call me BD Rose or BD Wong. So this is Monday. So how was your weekend? So I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast and all that stuff. So on uh, Twisted, yo, we go, I'm going to be recapping episodes from Law & Order SVU starting with episode 1. We're not going to be scrambling up like scrambled eggs and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Or do like um, episode, episodes from later seasons, stuff like that. We're just doing it in broad, broadcast order or chronological order, which you would call it though. So we into like an episode 24 now, right? 24, just like the show with Kiefer Sutherland. You remember the show um, 24 with Kiefer Sutherland? I used to watch that show back in the days. That was like 20 years ago. And um, this deals with real time. And, you know, you know, the premise is that, that the Jack Bauer, though, he has to save the world within an hour's time. Like, in other words, actual time, though. There's no cuts and shit like that, though. And so that was a good show back in the days, though. And you know that the Rako Allysworth, who played the ADA on the first season of Law and Order SVU, she made she uh, had a recurring role or starred in that um, show for a short period of time. Now speaking of SVU, I was looking into some pictures of um, Law and Order SVU. Right now, they just started shooting the episode. No, they just started shooting uh, the 23rd season. So I, look, I was looking at the Twitter and I see Mariska Hargitay. She's in crutches. I mean, how are you going to go and work with your damn crutches on? Like you we're going to be having like a, a, a handicap detective Benson next season. And I'm telling you, I mean, this woman is a warrior. I mean, you showing you showing up on the job in crutches. I'm going to tell you, imagine if they put that on the show. And then, I don't know, viewers will be starting to be like shocked and like, what the hell is she doing crutches for? She's a woman. And how, how is she going to chase the criminals on crutches? I just want to find that out, though, right? So it's like, um, we get, you know, like we're going to have like a new spinoff called the Law and, Law and Order Handicap Unit or Disabled, hand, disabled your Law and Order Disabled Unit. Oh, well, you know, that's just some bullshit. I'm, I'm just talking about bullshit, you know what I'm saying? And um, I've seen the pictures of her, uh, Mariska Hardy K on crutches going on a job, and she's posting stuff on Instagram, cause she's, and she's back on the set. And I don't know how it's going to turn out on TV, you know, with the see doctor, with see Captain Benson on crutches. And I, another photo is like, oh, with them on um, new season as of Law and Order SVU. Is what the hell is Christopher Maloney wearing a EMS uniform? Ain't, ain't he supposed to be a cop and stuff like that though? Well, you know, check this out, man. Detective Sailor is coming out here with a shaved head and a goatee or a beard, what you might call it though. Oh, wait a minute. He looked like one of them characters from the Wet Hot American Summer. No. Or oh, wait a minute. I know Detective that. I saw the um, new images of Detective Stabler, you know, Christopher Maloney, and he's rocking a shaved head, bald head, and a beard, and he looked like one of them characters from the show, guys from the village people, nah, or, um, uh, man, I'm trying to think about the character, so I don't know what it is, though, but, you know, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Captain Benson's going to be jaw-dropping as what? So, and I also seen new pictures of um, the Detective Cat. She's sitting in Central Park, and then you got the Carizzi and Rollins and stuff like that. And 
and you know, they just stopping by say hi to the fans. So I want to let you know that the new season of SVU starts on September 23rd, right? So and hopefully, you know, I'm almost I will not watch it and stuff like that though. Oh yeah, by the way, speaking about workforce, I mean sometimes when you at work though, you got like niggas niggas pretending to be your friend. And next thing you know, that they try to manipulate you and um, try to take advantage of you and try to break your ass down. I mean, listen here, I'm here to do my job and just focus on the job. I'm not here to be distracted by some foolishness. So I want you to take notice, though. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to make friends, friends with everybody in the work because, you know, sometimes people, though, they be acting, acting a little strange and act or acting a little loopy and stuff like that. So. And I don't want to get into debate or arguments with them. And, you know, I just want to walk away, keep it moving. But somehow, you know, you got these assholes right there. They just come at you with some bullshit. They don't want to leave you alone. And you try to walk away, but nah, they, they just trying to, they don't want to come after you, at you, trying to break you down and shit like that. And they pretend to be your friend. But they, some, in the meantime, they, they just bunch of, act like a bunch of clowns. I mean, it's it's good to play around, but don't do too much. Cause sometimes, you know, you got like the knuckleheads. They want to be assholes or want to show off and get attention. So, I mean, I just want to try to walk away. I'm on the job, but sometimes, you know, it's like the, um, they don't want want they want to come at you like they want to stalk you and shit like that though. But I'm not having it though. I mean, I currently work as a custodian. And you got like these people, though, they acting like a bunch of clowns or assholes, you know. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, I can't be entertained by that bullshit, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I'm just here to do my work, no offense. It's okay just to kid around and all that stuff, but you know, it's like sometimes you gotta be professional. I mean, you know, just keep it cool, don't try to get mad because you got some people trying to break you down stuff like that though those are the ones that are assholes and stuff like that so don't pay them no mind alright now since I get clear of that in the air though let's get to the episode alright we're at Law and Order SVU Season 2 Episode 2 Honor and it's written by Jonathan Green and Robert Campbell. And um, this at that time in the second season, there was like staff writers. And then when it, by the third season, they become like producers and stuff like that. So they're going to be having an impact on this show for ne- for the next couple of years from, from season two, four, something like that. So and it's directed by Alan Metzger. Alan Metzger. Sounds like a Jewish name, isn't it? Metzger. Hmm. All right, and it aired on NBC on October twenty seventh, two thousand. All right, so um, that's like close to Halloween, anything like that, though. So um, okay, um, we opened up in Central Park, right? And detectives Benson and Sable are there, and uh, they're talking to uh park park cop or something like that, though. And um, they right by the pond, and they find a woman who was raped and stabbed and um one of the cops showed the cop shows him that, that she picked up some stones and pers- it looks like that she was hit by stones at that time though so um during the conversation you know best and Sable having a talk and they were talking about the wilding thing and stuff like that though and uh, they mentioned something about a group of group of people sexually assaulting a woman, stripping her clothes off, something like that, though. So, and then, and then they say, wow, and then Ben Sable was like, wow, it's back in season, it's back in season. So, however, so, um, so, Benson, so, no, Benson well, takes a ride with the victim to the hospital while Sable stays at the crime scene. So, and, and it ends right there. So, let me tell you, speaking about wilding, though, I mean, I remember them. They said it was it, we're in the second season, right? And there was an incident in Central Park. Then um, I think it was on the summer two thousand, like 
during the Puerto Rican Day Parade saying that there was a group of people that was um, sexually assaulting a woman or they just um, ripped the woman's clothes off and she was like buck naked shit like that though. And that shit is called it. And then the media, they used the term wilding because it was like a group gang of kids, like mostly Puerto Ricans and stuff like that. So, I mean, that it was on the news somewhere during um, back in 2000 when the Puerto Rican Day Parade. So when that episode was shot, that was probably. Um, so they put that in there after the um, wilding incident. So, and, uh, so that was just happened. So, I mean, the SU was in. Keeping up with the current times back then, though, because when Benson Savler was talking about the wilding, they talking about um, guys over at the Puerto Rican Day Parade in 2000 where um, they ripped the woman's clothes clothes off or sexually assaulted her. I don't know what it is, though. And they even um, in on the original Law and Order, though, they had like um, they they they've already made an episode about that wilding thing. And that episode got a lot of controversy to it. And then you got the Latino groups protesting against that episode, saying they were depicting the Latinos or the Puerto Ricans in a negative manner and stuff like that, though. And I think that was in a, a season 11 episode of Law and Order called Sunday in the Park with Jorge or something like that, though. So, um... So, um... Anyway, so, however, that um, wilding thing, they mentioned the wilding thing. I mean, that was, like, current and all that stuff, though. All right. Now we go for the opening credits now. Now, check this out. They did some changes again with the opening credits. You know, you got the, the first, you got the first Christopher Maloney building as first, and Marissa Hargate, then Belzer. And check this out. They added uh, Stephanie March and Ice-T in the opening credits. And that that episode, they added Stephanie Marsh and Ice-T in the opening credits. And in the end of the um, intro, you see all the six characters in the squad room looking into the camera. And they're not doing, like, the walking toward the camera thing just back in the season one, though. And it goes to show you that um, from season two onward on SVU, the end of the intro shows the um, cast standing there looking into the camera and stuff like that, though. In the squad room or in the office, whatever. I mean, this is going to be from season two onward. That's going to be the thing, though. All right, so we're in the squad room right now, right? And... um. And is a detective Benson, she mentioned something about the woman, the victim on the center part, that she's a Jane Doe, and she spoke some foreign language and shit like that, though. So, and, um, they're trying to figure out the investigation where this girl, this lady was coming from, and, um, how she got assaulted, and this and that, though. So, Craig wants the detectives to go back to the park and talk to the, the park precinct captain, Something like that. But Cragen tells them that the guy's a jerk times 10. So we back at Central Park at the crime scene. And the best in the sabler, they're talking to the precinct captain about um, how, how she was assaulted. And then um, and the captain was like, he didn't have time to talk about this. You know, I mean, he has he had to go somewhere, whatchamacallit, and all this stuff. I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, um, and then he, he just saw, and then he just left. So Bess and Sabler are talking to the park precinct cop, you know, the officer or something like that. I mean, he's talking about the guy who a cop that rides a horse and shit like that, right? I mean, you've seen um, cops riding the horses back on um, season one, episode 15 called, um, I think it was entitled, the part one, something like that, though. So, um... And, you know, the cops was talking to Mr. Sabler, saying that the, the captain is taking heat from the IAB because um, over some kickbacks or some bullshit. And the cop also mentions that there was a group of teens and bikes harassing a woman. Woman? And it was causing trouble, stuff like that, though. And uh, he tells him that the captain didn't catch the pattern until, like, yesterday or something like that, though. And the cop also tells them that they, they arrested the ringleaders last week. Okay, so um, we're at the we we go to the brownstone. We did um, we're at the Lions brownstone, and Benson Sable knock on the door. They talk to the um, the team's father, Mister Lions, and they want and then Benson Sable's like they want to talk to his son because he did some trouble last week. 
and uh, you know the father was like though we ain't allowed to talk to you you gotta talk you gotta talk to my lawyer and they shut the door on them okay so we at the um, lawyer's office and you know um, Mr. Lyons and his son is there and you know, the lawyer is there the lawyer, and, and the lawyer is there he was asking him why are you harassing my client and um Benson Sable mentioned about the girl that was sexually assaulted and the the guy's kid's father, like the girl in Central Park was raped. He didn't do that though. He was home like uh, like last night, something like that though. So he so he kid, you know the you know the teen had an alibi or stuff. I mean and you know, the kid goes out saying that they him and his friends like to look at the ladies and uh, they harass this lady. And then at the time that they attacked though, he was at home about in the evening doing some dot com business and shit like that though. And um and then and, and, until his father stopped him. So however though, it, it turns out that um at first the best saver thought that was that the teen was a suspect of sexually sexually assaulting the foreign lady and stuff like that though, but he didn't do it though. So However, though, um, they best and slave get caught from the lab. I mean, that you know, the young the team is off the hook by now. We're at the lab, and you know, the lab tech shows him that um, she discovered like um, blood on um, the unidentified female sweater. And check this out: they get a break in the case because on on the blood on the blood stain with, with the victim war, it had um, she had a sweater that says. Um, I think it was Hanford University, and you know, a lot of tech tells him you wanted to go to college. Well, here's your chance. So it turns out that um, that Jane Doe attended a college called Hanford University. So, um, so Benson Stabler, they're at the offices of Hanford University, and they're doing a daily check on this unidentified female, and they didn't want to see that the, the Jane Doe could match with the bloody sweater with the university name on it, though. So um, guess what? They found they found something though, and the data because the sweater belongs to the Jane Doe is identified as Nafisa Amir, and um, so and then she had her parents and stuff like that, and then her 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 closest relative was um another person. So they want to go and talk to him, and then much they wanted much to go and find it and check the, the person's ID. So um. We go to the, the apartment building and much is there is there and they knock on the door and they talk to this guy named they he calls himself um Dayud Hamu Dayud something like that though and he tells them that um they they, they was looking for somebody else and uh, Dayud tells Munch and Finn that um, the person moved out recently and he and he took over his apartment and stuff like that though. So um, they show so the the detectives they show the picture of Nafisa something like that so and and they ask him does he know her and then Ayo was like nah I don't know her I'm sorry something like that though and he tells him that he had to go somewhere so he'll be he'll talk to him when he gets back home something like that though. All right. Meanwhile, we're at the at the university, um, Benson Stabler talking to a librarian, and the librarian knows about Nafisa and stuff like that, though. So they tell her that he has, she has a friend that's um, a core classmate that's been been with her. So they uh, Benson Stabler go out there at then and talk to um, Nafisa's friend, and her friend tells him that she is a fear for her father because. She tells him that her father is an Afghan diplomat, and he didn't. And he didn't want his daughter to wear this so provocative clothes because, and you know, and this is like some kind of Muslim tradition. Because she tells the detectives that her father would not allow her to go out unless she wore a garb, you know, like cover her head up and stuff like that. So that's probably like a religious thing and stuff like that, though. But it turns out that 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 she's um she want to get away from her father because he's she's strict. And she, her, her father doesn't want her to wear the worldly, you know, provocative clothes and stuff like that, though. And um, and you know, and she also mentioned that he's an Afghan diplomat and all that shit. So I mean, and traditionally, women are supposed to be wearing like the um, cover their heads and um, 
wait like wear a skirt or a dress. I mean that's the tradition. I mean the Muslim women though they do the tradition the tradition of covering their heads and wearing the garbs and something like that though. And especially the Muslim women they had to cover their heads and um wear wear garments. So, but it has a religious thing to it and stuff like that, though. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just want to admit, though, I like a woman with a long dress. So that it goes to show you that she has to respect herself. Not walking around the street with your tits out, your ass out, wearing all the skin tight clothes, getting all the attention. And I don't care if you ladies get offended. I mean, you're beautiful ladies. But when you go out there dressing provocative, though, it's like you're a target for a rapist. I know it sounds cruel, but that's a that's a fact, though. I mean, you have to respect yourselves, my sisters. No offense. So, I mean, if you want to dress to please your man, okay, well, I ain't got nothing to say. Oh, that's fine, you know what I mean? Please your man, that's fine, you know. But um, sometimes, and otherwise, you know, you got to respect yourselves, so, though. Because there's a lot of crazy-ass people out there in the streets. Oh, yeah, and by the way, they shot um, the scene... For when it, where the best and we were talking to Nafisa's friend, they shot it right outside Columbia University. And I used to go there while I was doing on my messenger work. I usually um, go walk across Columbia University campus and head to this building and drop off a package and stuff like that, though. I mean, most of the time, you know, they send me over to Columbia University to do delivery or a pickup or whatever, something like that, though. And they shot that campus. So, turns out, you know, Nafisa's friend tells him that um, the best and safely ask her where she hides her preventing clothes. She, she, and her friend tells him they're in the locker. And normally, you know, is that, um, you know, Nafida, Nafisa, she goes to school with her garments on. And then when she arrives at the university, she takes it off and dresses provocative and all that stuff. And, um... She don't want her father to find out about this, though. So, it's an African gift list. So, now, um, we at the, um, you know, we, um, they break the locker down, the pieces lock it down. They found a book bag and all that stuff, though. And um, they check her locker, and they found an address. And um, and um, where's um, the piece of lives. So... We're at the uh, the Amir's apartment somewhere on Third Avenue, and um, Mr. Her father, Mr. Emilio, she tells him that she she tells detectives that her daughter's dead to him because she dishonored her family, something like that, though, and um, and then he just just hates her daughter because of her rebellion, and and then she he also tells him that she slept with another man out. Out, out behind his back though and that's why he ha- hated her like he treats her like he's telling her he's a, she's a whore or something like that so he just doesn't care about his daughter because they disown her and all that stuff though okay so next scene we're in the squad room and um they were talking about the father and then and all of a sudden though they much discovers that um man the, that the man him and Finn talked to is a boyfriend of uh, Nafisa's his name is the Utarzi so, um, we in the next scene right now, we at the street, and then they're um, doing like, some kind of stakeout, you know, Benson and Sabler are there, Munch and Finn is there, they're waiting for Dayud and stuff like that, so Finn is, spots him, Dayud, and he got his walkie-talkie around there, so, and then Dayud looks at Finn, and he's carrying his shopping bag, so Dayud sees Finn, he drops one of the bags and runs off. Finn was like, tells his he tells his coworkers he made us. So guess what? Best and Saver come out and they they um they corner and Daewoo stuff like that. So and then Daewoo started running the other way. And next thing you know is that um Benson Saver they surround him. And then all of a sudden here comes Finn tackling his this guy's ass down like a fuck fucking football player. Boom, man, yo. And speaking about Finn, you know, Ben and Saver was like nice tackle. So, okay, so, um, I forgot about Finn, you know, but earlier, you know, we were in the squad room earlier after the intro, you know, Finn is there, you know, he's wearing his um, shirt and tie. I mean, throughout the second season, you see Finn with the suit and tie on instead of like, dressing like casually and stuff like that, though. I mean, yeah, you know, Finn, Ice-T's was on the phone telling Craig about 
what happened in crime, stuff like that, the blood in the lab and stuff like that. So, so, all right, so we're back in the street scene, you know, the, 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 the cops, they arrested Daoud and they take him in. Okay, that's the end of Act 1. Now, Act 2, much tell Kragen that the Daoud came in from Afghanistan back in 1988. He became a citizen five years later and he has like an import-export business. So, so we in an interrogation room. Daoud and Afisa were arguing at that time. Daoud tells the detectives and him and Afisa were arguing at that time, but he didn't rape her or hit her with the stones or stab her or anything like that, though. So, um, next scene, you know, Munch and Finn talk to the neighbor, and the neighbor tells him that um, Daoud and Afisa were arguing a lot, though, and stuff like that. So, meanwhile, inside uh, the dude's apartment, they um, Benson find blood on the sheets. Oh my goodness! Now there is something going on. I mean, there might be like um, is some evidence that say that he uh, stabbed and raped or assaulted Nafisa. So um, we're back in the in the precinct, and then Cragen and Cabot come in, and they see this guy in Cragen's office, and he's come some kind of um. Official saying that um, Amir is um, his uh, Mr. Amir is has diplomatic immunity and he has like a diplo. Sh- he's a uh, acting diplomat and then his he wanted his son to be Mirandized or what you call it yada 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 though and um, he warns before he leaves he warns Cabot that he be prepared to just save our own skin and stuff like that because I mean Mr. Amir has. Um, he has a power, he got diplomatic immunity and shit like that, though, so it's like, um, so it's like, it's like he has connections and he, like, he has the power and shit like that, though, so, that's just crazy, though. Okay, so, um, next thing you know is that, um, we're in the courtroom and Dayud is being arraigned at court and then they're gonna lock his ass up and stuff like that, though. So, after the arraignment, um, like dude's, like dude's lawyer says that he's gonna be taking a lie detector test against his wishes and stuff like that. So we back at the precinct and Dayu is taking a lie detector pass, and guess what? He passed. Oh, in flying colors. So they want to investigate about the visa stuff like that. So they and then they want to talk to um the visa's uh, professors. So we're back outside Columbia University or Hanford University or what you call it. Benson is able to talk to a Middle East professor about um, Nafisa's father and um, and some kind of um, religious things, saying that a lot of these women though they get killed for less, much less because of their dressing appropriately or being dressing unworldly. Say, say it's like some kind of a Islamic or Muslim tradition. It says if women are go against uh, go against the authority, they should get killed for the actions or something like that. So I got a thing about this because I mean, a lot of, most of these women sometimes you know in certain countries. Um, women are not supposed to be wearing these forbidden clothes or they'll be killed or hanged. I mean, that's one tradition. I mean, if a woman wants to be a whore, the punishment for that is death. And if a woman, I mean, there's certain countries that a woman not supposed to do. I mean, woman not supposed to go being over authority to, authority to a man. So all that punishment in there is death though. And what that the professor said, this makes some a little sense and stuff like that, though, because women get killed for less, much less. You know what I'm saying? So it's like um, you know, and the he tells him the feast is afraid of her father and all stuff. So that's what it is, though. So we are somewhere in the prison, and Dayu tells Cabot about Nafisa. And um, he wanted to marry Nafisa and stuff like that. And then somehow he gave her a ring. And then Nafisa started throwing a ring at him like she didn't want to be forced and stuff like that, though. And um, and he also told tells Cabot that him and Nafisa were having a relationship. On, and they kept it in secret behind her father. 
But I mean, because he's fearing for her father, because he's just like um worried that he will kill her or something like that, though. So um, and then um, and then um, that's how it is. And then and then she he also tells Cabin about the the bandaid on his forehead, saying that some cop buffed him up. And he also tells her that um, Mr. Amir, Mr. Amir sent that cop to him. So, we are somewhere in the street, and then Munch and Finn, uh, they talk to this guy named Ross Campbell. He's like some private investigator, some shit like that, though. And Mystic Ross Campbell, he knows Finn personally because maybe they have a connection, something like that. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. The chemistry between Bills, Bells and Ice-T is Good, you know what I'm saying. So, Munch and Finn talking to Ross Capo will be be who be bailed up, and um, it says something about that he see that, and uh, Ross tells him that he had a tune bailed uh, up for bit something like that though, over his father and something like that right there. So, all right, we're in the squad room and Munch and Finn come in there and they tell him that the blood came from a lab and then the lab reveals that the blood came from a family member. And you know, already know enough. He said was a virgin and stuff like that, though. So, um, speaking about that and about the blood for the lab and the DNA, it reveals that a family member involved. So the Amirs, though, they have a son named Jaleel. He's like twenty-one, and um, his uh, and Bessa says that that his immunity expired when when he's but by the time he was twenty-one. So he now Jaleel used to have immunity. Until his twenty-first birthday, so right now, I mean, he's just like um, yeah, no immunity. So, and then all of a sudden, um, they get a call. The saver gets a call, and um, turns out that Nafisa died from her injuries. Damn, that is messed up. Now I'm telling you, that girl is being killed by her rebellion. So there's some kind of foreign pressure going on around here, though. So, right now, that's the end of Act 2. Now, we're at the second half of the episode, and uh, we outside the Amir residence, and, oh, shit, they, it's, I know, I, I remember, I recognize that, the location, it probably located, it's on uh, Central, Central Park South, toward Fifth Avenue, that's where there's, like, a hotel or something like that, I mean, they had, like, like a bunch of hotels on Central Park South, so, I recognize that scene, you know, and then, so anyway, back to the scene. Um, Benson Saver talks to the doorman, and he, the doorman, tells him that he last seen Nafisa on Tuesday night, and then she was um he seen her running inside the building, crying and stuff like that though. And she also tells him that after that, um her um her brother Jaleel came out, and he treated him like a slave and telling him to get in the bags and stuff like that, and and all that stuff. So it turns out that the Nafisa's brother to Jaleel is probably a suspect. So um, and then so um, we we inside the the Amir's house and Mr. Emil tells the Kevin, "I told you, leave me alone, man. I leave us in peace, man." And then Mr. Slaver tells him that um, his son is um, is suspected of murdering his sister, and then. And then next thing he knows that Mr. His wife goes, she spills a bean. She tells him, he's going, he's going, he's getting, he's getting on a plane to go back to the gas stand. And then all of a sudden, the Mr. Amir shuts her wife, her shuts his wife mouth saying, shut up, bitch. Told you not to talk. Damn, you know, Bessa came over to him saying that your son had immunity until he was 21. No, his number was up, though. And <laughs> I, at least in this year, his wife knew something because... David J. Doran trying to figure out because she tells his cops that um, her Jaleel was getting on a plane going back to Afghanistan before her husband shut her up, though. And you know what? And you know what? The main husband is pissed because maybe he has something to maybe he has something to do with this. I don't know what it is, though, but it's something to do, though. And then, okay, we're at the airport and um, Munch and Finn are on a plane. And guess what? They arrest Jaleel before he getting, getting, before getting away back to Afghanistan. And Jaleel... At the time they arrest him, Jaleel stands up saying, I'm proud for what I did. He was like, Allah Akbar, 
I'm just one for my country. And you know they they they, they slap the cuffs on and drag his ass out to the plane. Like He said you would probably doing like that. I mean, is this guy and saying something like that though? I mean, Afghanistan, you know, I mean and the situation in Afghanistan, you know, this ha- this is this episode happened before nine eleven, so that's like a year before nine eleven happened. And um when 9-11 happened, when the Twin Towers fell, they blaming on Osama bin Laden or the Afghanistan or something like that. But I'm going to tell you this. That's a lie. The fact is, I mean, the U.S. government set those buildings down in order to build up this martial law, new world order type of thing, though. I'm not gonna look, I'm not going to dig deep to it, though, like my dick going inside a woman's pussy. I'm just gonna keep it neutral, okay? Now, see, I'm talking like I'm a damn porn star. I don't know what it is though. Okay, so um, we're at um, you know, and then and Mr. Amir is pissed. You know, he's suing the NYPD for um, the some negligence and um, and Miranda filing his son's Miranda rights or what you might call it though, something like that. And then Mr. Amir is um. It's there, so it's like um, his lawyer's there and all that stuff. So, and then Cragen tells Vincent Saylor that um, that the, these Afghans playing horrible because they 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 Cragen accuses Vincent Saylor grilling um Jaleel something like that, and then they didn't do nothing. So, you know, Craig was like though it's the Afghans playing horrible because um they they're being looked at for violating his son's rights and what you would call it. Okay, so we're at um we're in the next scene. We got the ADA Caput and Amir's lawyer. They're talking to a judge about the uh, Jill's Miranda rights or something like that. Now, who played the who played the judge on judge um I think judge um Ryan Noor or something like that though. I'm not about to penalize the police for doing their job. Mr. Amir's confession was an excited utterance, and it's in. All right, um, that uh, that that actor who played the judge, that his name is Harvey Atkin, and he has a recurring role on SVU as the judge. I mean, he was there multiple times in season one. So, um, and that's who that's the who's that guy? I forgot that who's got God thing. Damn. So anyway, um. Cabin and Amir's lawyer, they talk to a judge about Jaleel, something like that, and the judge suggests that he should see a psychiatrist. So, we at Rikers right now, on, and you got Dr. Skolda, he's talking to Jaleel about the nightmares. Now, who's that guy playing um, Dr. Skolda? The Quran says Nafisa's shame before God is her own, that it can't be passed to you. So she faces the consequences alone. Yeah, you know the guy. That's J.K. Simmons, a.k.a. Dr. Scola. And, you know, he played, um, I think it was, um, um, I forgot. He was in the Spider-Man movie saying, um, um, I forgot his name. It'll come back to me. Anyway, he's he's also the farmer's um, insurance guy. You know, like, we are farmers. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I hope he's not selling farmers insurance to um the the Afghan dude or something like that though. <laughs> we are farmers. Dun 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 dun. All right, so Doctor Skull asked him he had any nightmares and stuff like that. So Jazeel has a like a recurring nightmare about his grandmother being killed or something like that though, and he's seen he was he had nightmares about his sister and um, all that killing stuff like that. And it turns out though that he had a nightmare. He was traumatized because he saw grandmother being killed, grandfather killing an aunt, something like that. Though, but it turns out that the grandfather killed the aunt because she was committing adultery. So we at the um, Cabot's office, and then Doctor Skull uh, tells Cabot about this though, and so and he also tells her it's like an honor killing. So. He tells her that he that tells Cavity he could use that as a stand and as a jury about the honor killings, though. Now, you know, I mean, this is the first time we've seen Cabot and J.K. Simmons work together, though. 
I mean, the chemistry is it's all right, though, but we're in season two. I mean, we got um, Dr. Scola. We reprise his role on the original Law & Order, so it's more crossover appeal going around here, though. And then, you know, see Cabot, though. I mean, as the first ever, early, first couple episodes of Cabot, though, she be having, like, um, long hair. But when you, I look at the intro, you know, that Cabot's hair is, like, sh- 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 a bit shorter, like, shoulder-length hair. So, the Cabot in the early episodes, you know, her hair was longer. But we're going to go get to that in soon, all right? And so, um... So, so Scola tells Kevin that you had to use his Mirandize, his um, thing in the stand, like the insanity and all that stuff, though. So, we're at four, we're in the courtroom, and Kevin's talking to a juror about Janelle being guilty or insanity, something like that. So, next thing you know, there's a judge is there, and um, Amir's lawyer is there, and he's talking about this thing about, um, about the judge, you know, bantering the witnesses and stuff like that, though. So later on in the courtroom, Munchkin testifies on the stand against Jaleel. Tells them the at the time of his arrest, telling them that the guy was proud, and um, that and um, Amir's lawyer asked him, "What was the first? Was this the first? How many times were you, the guy was proud, saying he was arrested? He was like once, and then you know, I mean." <laughs> I tell you, Julio, he was like Allah Akbar. He was like he was so proud, so proud of what he did. He was like Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Oh, only honor, like honor the Most High, honor God, whatever you know. And then next thing you know, Doctor Scholar's on the stand, and then you got the um, the, the thesis professor on the stand saying he mentions that the honor killings is is a tradition, and he also mentions in um, in the Book of Deuteronomy, which is the Bible, say if um. Man sees a woman, something like that, they should be put to death. But he missed out a certain detail. I mean, I mean he, went, he didn't mention if a man sees a woman that is not a virgin, or in other words, or she be dealing with another man, I mean, the woman should be put to death. But there's a say, and um, they didn't, they messed, they are missing some key pieces there. I mean, a man and woman being put to death. It could be one thing if a man commits adultery, in other words, if a man sleeps with a mother with another has if a man has sex with a with a, another man's wife or girlfriend, both the giver and the receiver will be put to death though. So they didn't even put that in there. So as in the book of Leviticus, something like that though. But and um these honor killings though has something to do with um Saying if the a man meets a woman and they, she discovers that she's not a virgin or she's married, you know, they're gonna put her to death. I mean, and sometimes you know certain punishments on women. I mean, I'm not gonna be cruel, something like that. But back in biblical times, if a woman was being disobedient or she sleeps with if she sleeps with different men rather than marrying to her husband, then she that's the punishment for that is death. So. Maybe that was the case and all that stuff, though. So the so the professor was talking about these honor killings. It's like a tradition, but it probably has something to do with religious things, something like that, though. So um, Julio was on the stand, and he claimed he killed his sister because she was a whore. I mean, she, she they they arranged a marriage for her, but what happened was that she dishonored her father because she slept with another man. And, and so, what Jaleel did was he was shaming her ass for it. I mean, have her raped and stabbed and then hit her with the rocks just to shame her. Cause, and for all that, that's as like a punishment for being sleeping with another man. So, in other words, it's like adultery, something like that. I don't know what it is, though. But she was planning to get married to this guy, but she was sleeping with somebody else. But it learns it. But. Check this out. If she was married to a guy and then she went out to sleep with another man, oh, guess what? She would get killed for that. I mean, but that would happen. That that happened back in biblical times. But I don't know. They're gonna. But over here in this country, this thing, you know, is it's not gonna tolerate it in this country and stuff like that, though. But hey, anyway. So, um, so however, though, in the, in the courtroom, you know, some Angelio's there on the stand and. And um, his father, Mr. Amir, is right there, stuff like that, though. 
So we back at the um, okay, squad room, Kraken's office, and Sabre realizes that Jaleel's father is behind all this attack. Well, all, all this, because I mean, he probably wanted Nafisa to be killed or whatever, and stuff like that. So, however, though, they wanted that they needed his wife to talk, in other words, because then she accidentally spilled the bean that, um, that his son was on his, on his way back to Afghanistan after he had killed her, attacked, he fatally attacked her, and stuff like that, though. And, um, they know if she comes to testify against her husband, though, though she's signing a death sentence. In other words, her, her man will kill her. So, um, so Craig decided that we have to go forward and we have to have the, um, Mrs. 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 Amir testify. So, we back at the Amir residence and then Mrs. Amir is crying and she didn't want to lose Nafisa and she didn't want, and she didn't want to lose Jaleel either. But, um, the cops, you know, they the detectives, they wanted her to testify against her husband, and eventually she does. She's in the she she's in the courtroom, and then she gives out the attack, and she testified against her husband and all that stuff, though. So later on, you know, the, the verdict comes out, and guess what? Jaleel is charged with second degree murder. So Kevin comes out of the courtroom and calls Kevin Craigan, and she tells him it's murder too. And Mr. Amir didn't stay for the center scene and stuff like that, though. So he saw so they, they want him there. So he had to send them the cops, the detectives to find to find him, check him out, though. Okay, so we outside the Amir residence, you know, aka the hotel, like Central Park South, and the doorman tells him that um, Mr. Amir had moved out last night, and his wife wasn't with them. So Benson and David decided to go check upstairs. And yo, when they arrived at the apartment, they found Mrs. Amir dead with her throat, no, her neck, their neck slit. No, her, no, her throat slit. Excuse me, damn. And she died while the husband skipped town. Yo, that was, a, that was crazy. That was the end of the episode. I mean, the husband got away with murder, in other words. And he honored killing. I mean... He got the balls, man, and then there's nothing that the cops do, so that shit was crazy, and I was like, when I saw the ending, I was like, oh shit, so, I mean, that's the end of the episode. Okay, so the father and son killed the, um, the, 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 the father and the son, they killed the daughter because she was being a whore, I mean, and, um, they arranged a marriage for her, but she's stuck with another man, so, I mean, the father, I mean, he, how strict he is, he's controlling and stuff like that, though. He judged her for that, so they, his father uh, had probably arranged the killing because she was being a whore. She was being a whore, or a harlot, though. I mean, um, back in biblical times, a woman sleeps with, uh, of, uh, sleeps with um, different men rather than a husband, that, then that's he's being a whore, so the punishment for that is death, so, I mean, um... And there was something in the episode with Air because um they did, the characters were from Afghanistan and then somehow that they was involved in this nine eleven thing which is I think is complete bullshit. I mean, I don't think the Arabs did anything like that though. So it was like I said, and like I said before, I mean it was set up by the U.S. government. I mean, I mean I don't know. I mean Bush Jr. has something to Bush um. George W. Bush had something to do with turning the twin towers down, so they just doing some evil thing and they want to blame on the Arabs. So it's like a Illuminati move. So I'm not gonna give away that much anyway. So that, that was a crazy episode. I mean, and at first, you know, the, they, they at first uh, the cops think it was the boyfriend that uh, assaulted her, and then. Next thing you know is that um, that turns out it was like a family thing, a personal thing. So, but in, back in biblical times, if you're doing something and that against them, the most side, then the punishment for that is death. Though it's like, for example, in the book of Genesis, you know, when their parents had like a, they had a, a stubborn, rebellious son, and the son would he, he's just lazy, he didn't want to do anything, and just wanted to lash out, act out against their parents or rebel, something like that. So. What they did is that they took their son down the streets and they in front of the people and they stoned him to death. 
Why? Because he was being disobedient. Like he don't want to listen. He don't. He want to be rebellious. He don't want to take orders. Be lazy. Get drunk. Get high. I mean, come on, that's crazy. So that was a good episode. So right now, I'm mean, we're gonna go through um, the headlines though, and um, earlier the episode, um, Benson and Savely were discussing about wilding. So. There was an incident back in Central Park back in 1989, and um, they say that the five teens they were accused of raping a white jogger at Central Park, and that was on the news back in the spring of '89 and stuff like that, though. And then the media calls it the Central Park Five. So what happened with that case? It turns out the, the charges against them were dropped because I mean, you know, the the police department that they do some racist taxes and stuff like that, though. And I don't believe, I don't believe that um, they um, raped her and knock her unconscious stuff like that though. So it's probably we're doing by the works of the high ups, maybe by the cops and stuff like that though. But so the Central Park Five, they had I recently watched their documentary and they talking about uh, what they doing in their lot li- in their lives. But the Central Park Five, you mean they're being accused of a crime they didn't commit? Go to show you that the uh, that the white man don't give a damn about us. I mean, I've been looking at Ezekiel 35 and 5, but I'm not going to go there, though. So, things are getting hectic right now because all you got to do is just pray and keep the law statutes and commandments. But the Central Park Five, you know, it got like whole media attention because um, you got like a group of young men, our black brothers, though, they being accused of raping a white woman. That's similar racial tension, though. But they didn't even do anything. But yeah, you can find um, white folks doing crackheads over there. That's Staten Island. I'm, what the hell I'm saying, though? So, I mean, that was back to the Central Park Five. You know, I was watching their documentary. And, and they even had like a Netflix miniseries about the Central Park Five. Goes to show you that, that um, racist, racism still exists, man. It's crazy that way. It's crazy. Well, yeah, all, all I got to do is pray. And I'm not talking like Sheryl Crow saying all I want to do is have some fun. I'm not talking like, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking like uh, Sheryl Crow and some shit like that. You know what I'm saying, though? So the things is with the Central Park Five, you know, that's the real life of that. You know, it's just like um, whoever set these guys up, you know, I mean, I don't know what happened to them. So, by the way, y'all had a good time tonight. So, y'all enjoyed yourselves. Feeling a little tired right now. So, um, I'm going to say, I mean, that's about it. And um, next week will be my 25th episode of my one-man show called Twisted SVU Podcast. And we're going to be bringing uh, like a a conclusion of the episode closure. And we're going to bring back some faces and stuff like that. So, tune in. I hope y'all having a good time. So, um, anyway, this uh, this has been Twisted and SVU Podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and um, Anchor FM and WordPress.com. And we got only OnlyFans. We got a new one. So, and, and with that, I'm going to say have a good last week. And we'll, I'll talk to you next Monday. Good night.